I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter, the man himself, as he's preparing, he's packing. Beth Page is coming soon, my friend. I'm Chip Patterson. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, week before a major is always frenetic. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a major next week, does it? I'm ready. I, th- I think it feels like a major. I think it feels okay. like a major when uh, I'm getting asked to to be a part of a, a big PGA preview show on Monday at noon on CBS Sports HQ. Hey, I'll be there too. People should check it out. You should. CBSSportsHQ.com. You can get the CBS you can get CBS Sports HQ through the CBS Sports app on any of your devices. So yeah, Kyle, I, I will say that when the when when the moving and shaking starts, you know, when the when the requests start coming in, when your schedule starts filling up, my my body is preparing itself for uh the next major championship of the twenty nineteen season. Yeah, I've just I've gotten so used to this rhythm, this major rhythm, major season rhythm throughout the first six years of covering this thing that I, I'm just like it's so like un you know it just throws you for a loop when they jam another major and I like it like look I'm I'm pro this schedule I think it's good I think it's fun it's just so, there's just I feel like we're gonna get to the open in July and be like that's it it's over, you know, until the masters next April. It's, it's a very, uh, it's pretty interesting. I, and I think it's good. It's just, it's very different than what we've seen in the past. Well, and you know, ultimately the, there is going to be a little bit of looking around a little bit of, um, you know, what, what do I do with my hands? Right. And that Mm -hmm. just going to be the Mm -hmm. kind of just the general feeling among everybody that's, uh, that follows golf on a year round basis. But I, for for this being no longer like the dregs, the fact that we've got this this major championship, the PGA championship, which you can see on CBS, like you, I, I I'm happy, I'm ready for it, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I am too. Um, all right, on this date, it is May eighth. What happened on this date, Kyle? Uh, on this date, eighteen ninety three. So we're we're uh, <laughs> we're rolling it back a little bit. Uh, Francis We Met was born. And do you know what Francis We Met is famous for? I do not. He's the first amateur to win uh, the United States Open. He won it in 1913 uh, as a 20-year-old at the country club, Brookline. 
and he defeated uh, a couple of uh, Jersey boys, a couple of guys from Jersey, Harry Varden, and uh, I think his name was Ted Ray. Justin's for- Justin Ray's yeah. uh, <laughs> uncle or grandfather. <laughs> what is, can Justin Ray calculate the strokes gained of his uncle in that round? Uh, I, I probably already has. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was Ted Ray. It was. It was Justin's grand great grandfather. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Uh, so. We met was an amateur, first amateur to win the U.S. Open, obviously, like I said. Um, it was so interesting. I was reading about this this morning, and in that day – so I'll, I'll read the, – there's this one line in, from his Wikipedia that I, I thought was super intriguing. It says, as far as the general public was concerned, amateur golf was reserve, reserved for the wealthy, while professional golf provided competition and income for former caddies prohibited by the USGA from caddying after the age of 16 or they would lose their amateur status. And so it was just like such a different, you know, we met went on to like be a stockbroker and like it, it just, it, it's not golf as we know it. And, and, you know, obviously that's true because we're, it's over a hundred years later, but it, it's just, it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing to think back on. Um, but yeah, this date, 1893, Francis, we met was, uh, was born. Where didn't you play Brookline? No, no, uh, I haven't. Okay. I have not played Brookline. But- um, one interesting thing that I, that I saw about him also though, was, uh, in 1916. So this was three years after he won the USGA, um, uh, stripped, we met of his amateur status. So they said you're you you can no longer be considered an amateur. So like he couldn't play the USAM, which was a big deal back then. That was one of the four majors. That was part of the slam that Bobby Jones won. And um, the its reasoning was that he was get this he was using his celebrity to aid his own sporting goods business. He worked at a sporting goods store and was therefore making a living from golf. NCAA says what's up. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like rebel rags down in uh oxford mississippi the usga the forerunner to the ncaa oh. incredible who would have known <laughs> they later they later um which by the way what does this say about tony romo amateur golfer tony romo profiting off his likeness i mean the sketchers like is he an amateur golfer no their, their ruling is that he's better known for football. Like, I, I think they've seriously, like, I don't know if they've put anything out there, but I, I from what I've gathered or what I've heard. We've got some Romo talk coming up later in the show. Are you telling me that he's going to have an A beside his name in the tournament this weekend? I think so. Yeah. I mm. think he's playing as an amateur. Mm. I think. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Isn't he? <laughs> I'll take it. Anyway, uh, the USGA later reinstated we met as an AM after the war, World War One, not to be confused with any of the other wars. Um, so yeah, he later went on to win the 1931 USAM. Uh, so he won the 1914 USAM and then the 1931 USAM. So the the 1913 US Open was not a, you know, it wasn't a um, a one off deal. Like he was a good player. So. Uh, yeah, good for him. Cool, cool uh, look back at the state in history. 
Speaking of look back, we're going to be looking back at the 2010 Byron Nelson. 2010 Byron Nelson Championship. This was back when it was the HP Byron Nelson Championship, as you mentioned uh, last time. Let's see what we got here. This was a, a Jason Day win. Yeah, so I we introduced this last week. I want to do some of these leaderboard lookbacks because they're super fun. And the reason that I brought up the 2010 Byron Nelson because we, we talked about this briefly earlier this week. This was this was Spieth's first Byron Nelson in 2010. So he was, whatever, 15 years old, 16 years old. And he shoots a, he opens 68, 69, and then he goes 67. So he gets to seven, no, he gets to, uh, what would that be? Six under? Six under yeah. through three days. And the winning number was 10. So he gets to the eventual winning number was ten. He gets to six under, and then he he kind of he shoots a seventy two in the final round to finish t sixteen alongside uh, Chris Riley. Shout out to the 06 Ryder Cup team, uh, Steve Elkington. Shout out to his Twitter account, Harrison Frazier, Alex Cheka, Kenny Perry, Kenny Perry, Woo! and Jay Williamson. I mean, those. Uh, this does. This wasn't that long ago, but some of the names: Corey Pavin finished T twenty three, Justin uh, Leonard, Justin Leonard T twenty six. I mean, it's it's Y E Yang T thirty two. It's pretty interesting to look back on some of these. So is that a young Gary Woodland at T thirty two? Oh yeah, that was that was. I mean, Gary Woodland's my age. I think he's thirty three. Uh, so he would have been in his early twenties then. How oh, Gary Gary Woodland might be ageless. <laughs> he he might have he might have like found David, something david robinson yeah exactly all right so jason this was uh what point in the jason day arc is this this has got to be early for him right yeah I, I, i'm pretty sure this was his first win mm. so he got 66 65 67 shoots two over on sunday to beat blake adams and brian gay by two and jeff overton scott replying t5 in this tournament Ben Crane, DJ finished top 10. That was early DJ, too. Yeah, I know. That was when he was uh, going real low on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was DJ. DJ tied with DA points and Arjun Outwall for T7. So I could just, we I could do this all day. I could do, just look at any leaderboard from over 10 years ago and just be just endlessly intrigued by it. JJ, Pat Perez, T32. Yeah, Mark Leishman, T12. That was pretty early in his career as well. Oh, look, and there's Keith Mitchell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so Jordan Speed has that A next to his name, like uh, like his boy Tony Romo will have uh, later on this week. Uh, what's our major fact of the week? Yeah, I tweeted this out on, what's today? When I tweeted this out on Tuesday. And I went back, there's been some, a lot of talk about the, uh, and we talked about it with Sean Martin, the Brandel Kepka thing and you know, what, what's, what's, what's to do with Kepka or whatever. And th- this doesn't, this, I'm not saying that this is necessarily related to that, but I, I think that we're sort of underappreciating and, and Sean brought this up and I wanted to go back and get the actual number sort of underappreciating what Kepka has done at major championships since the start of 2015. He has finished in the top 20 in 80% of the majors that he's played in. 12, he's had 15 appearances at majors since the start of 2015. He missed two of them. And he's finished in the top 10 
top 20 12 times. And one of the other ones was a T21. The next closest are Hideki, Jason Day, and Jordan Spieth, who have all finished in the top 20 11 times, but they've all played in 17 majors. So that's just 65%. So he's he's 15 percentage points better than, than the second best guys when it comes to top 20s and majors. And maybe maybe top 20 is an arbitrary number. I, I, I don't know. But the point is he's consistently really good at the biggest tournaments that these guys play, or he has been for the last four years. So what is it going to take in your mind for the – the Brooks, like, like, what is the next step? Let's game this out. Like, how do we see Brooks Kepka performing uh, here at the PGA Championship at the U.S. Open? And what, like, where, where does this go? Because he is still occupying his own space, which is decidedly, I would say, right now outside of the. Like, are, have we hit the point where when we said who's number one, none of us mentioned Kepka. We said Tiger, DJ, and Rory. Yeah. You know, it, here's what's interesting. I was thinking about this with Kepka. I, I almost think that he needs to just win a bunch of non-majors. Mm. And, and, and the reason, and I know that's like, that sounds ludicrous. It sounds so dumb. But like when you think about DJ and Kepka, their careers, who, who do you think of as being better? DJ. Yeah, right. Even though Kepka has three times as many majors, right? But DJ has like 18 wins. He's got like, yeah, tw- 20, 21. 20 gracious uh but what but which is better is it better to have 20 wins in one major or six wins five wins in three majors i think it's better to have 20 wins yeah right i i, I mean I, I don't know is it though like what would a, what, if you if you went to say um ben crane you went and said hey you can win 20 times and win one major, or you can win five times and take three majors. What would you take? I don't, I don't know what he would say. I don't know what any of these guys would say. I think that as I've, I think that as I've continued to plug in a little bit more to the weekend week out golf schedule, the PGA tour schedule, the professional golf schedule, I think that I have come to value a DJ career a little bit more just because there's, there's just something about going to all these different and like what Kepka has done at the tracks where he's done it is very impressive, but there's something about DJ just being able to roll to different parts of the country and, and go and collect pelts. I agree. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And I guess my overall point is that like, even though DJ guys like DJ and, um, I don't know, even like a Justin Rose, even though they haven't won multiple majors, Jason Day haven't won multiple majors, they still have, uh, Justin Thomas haven't won multiple majors, they have still have won a lot on the PGA Tour, and so we sort of, I think, think of them as being better than Kepka, even though he has three times as many majors as all of those guys. So I think I think Kepka, in a weird way, like needs some just regular PGA Tour wins to kind of fall back on. And I, I really like it sounds even dumber out loud than it did when I said it in my head. But I, I like just from a perception standpoint, I, I think that's probably true. All right. So here's what I, I this is a good place where I think that we can land on it. I believe that what Brooks Kepka needs is he just needs to he needs years. He just needs yeah. years to continue to stay in this place because that's what he doesn't have against Justin Rose. That's what he doesn't have with Justin Rose. That's what he doesn't have against Jason day and definitely not Dustin Johnson. Who's had yeah. like multiple peaks in his career. 
when you just have been, and, and again, the the world golf ranking system can be crooked and weird, and and you know, all the free points at the WGCs. Like we we love all those jokes, but I have found in the last maybe eight to fifteen months more of gravitating back towards that as a way of kind of understanding, you know, who's, who's really running the show. And those other guys have just had weeks and months and years where you're just at top of the, at the top of the game. And that's what Brooks kept needs to be able to, because as soon as he levels himself up with like a Jason day, it, it's going to be the majors that give him the edge. He just hasn't yeah. had that length of time of being at the top of the game. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and that's, that's probably true. So, um, to round out the, the other guys that have finished in the top 20 in over 50% of their majors since 2015. Uh, so speed day and Hideki are all 65% of the time. How about this DJ and Xander 63% of the time makes sense. Xander man. Xander. Yeah. Let's you're not, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. What's up Xander. Xander is sick. Xander is here. Uh, Z- and that's what Xander, I mean, the, that that is probably you know I, I said it out loud just in the process of our conversation, but that might be a point that I end up returning to is some of these guys just need time. Justin Thomas just needs time to continue right, to be right. awesome, and then yeah. all of a sudden we can start to have these conversations. Yeah, I think you start to apply like what JT does over the course of ten years, and it starts to look awesome, right? But if you take a snapshot from any like fifteen month stretch, it it may or may not look awesome. You know, yeah. and so that's just, that's, that's the nature of golf, uh, to round out the other guys that are over 50%, Finau, Rory and Rose are all, uh, slightly over 50% in terms of top 20 set majors. Mm. So that's the list. Ricky Fowler for people that are wondering is 47% along with Paul Casey, Zach Johnson, Patty Reed, Matt Kuchar and Adam Scott. I'm sorry. Uh, who'd you say after Paul Casey? Uh, ZJ, ZJ, yeah, the other Johnson can't can't escape him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got some news and some expectations for the weekend, or at least what we're hoping. Right after this, okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we've got Tony Romo prop bets. That seems silly, but I love it. It seems absurd. Can you bet on an amateur? Should you be allowed to do that? Is is that what's going to be to violate this status? <laughs> so what are our prop bets? Uh, so over under 79 and a half, his first round score is minus 110. Uh, to make no birdies or eagles in round one is plus 350. Mm-hmm. Which he's gonna make a birdie, right? Yeah, he's this gonna make an, a birdie. I mean, he's gonna make like multiple. This is an easy. I mean, I think I made a birdie when I played it. Well, like you said, he's a member there too. Or like Sean mentioned, he's a member there too. Yeah. 
Uh, and then to make one or more birdies or eagles in round one, he's minus 500. Yeah, I don't like laying minus 500. 70 and a half, I'll go over. But I will go with the Eagles. I think, I mean, I will go with the. No, no, no. 79 and a half. Oh, for first round? Yeah. Under. Yeah. That's easy. And it's, and it's minus 110. I mean, it's free. It's free, isn't it? Isn't that just, just hook me up to the ATM and start printing the money? <laughs> it is. He's going to shoot like an 81. 79 and a half. That's high. That's really high. Oh, uh, to make a hole in one plus 10,000. Yes, I'll take $2 yeah. on that. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of the like his odds of making a hole in one are sort of the same as anybody's, right? It's not like I, I just don't think it's I don't think his skill from that distance because so much of that is luck is that much different than like Kepka or Aaron Wise or anybody like that. Maybe it is. Maybe that's dumb. And now it's time for our perfect finish prediction of the week brought to you by Amstel Light. So Kyle, we've, we are going to be doing this every single week. We're going to be trying to, trying to imagine, trying to conjure up what would be the perfect finish for the tournament ahead. So for the AT&T Byron Nelson, what is your perfect finish? Yeah, here's my perfect finish. My perfect finish is... Uh, a couple of guys who live in Texas having a little showdown on Sunday afternoon, a little playoff between Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed. Oh, but, but there's, there's, yes, there's, there's a, wouldn't that be a great PGA appetizer? Just Reed and Spieth, like pretending like they like each other on Sunday afternoon on CBS. My perfect finish is that, uh, Michael Greller comes down with a uh, non-debilitating illness, injury, whatever, that keeps him out for the Sunday round. And Spieth has to call on somebody else who knows Trinity Forest really well, who might be a member there, to carry his bag down the stretch. And uh, Tony Romo's cleaning (laughs) For Spieth. On, on Sunday afternoon, how how hilarious would that be? I mean, how how many memes would there be? It'd be um, it'd be incredible. There there would be so many, um, so many Amstels being cracked in celebration of just getting to watch that, right? <laughs> just just Romo walking down in his Skechers, giving him giving him all the giving him way too way too many tips, right? Like way too oh, yeah. much talking yeah. from Romo, but. He's Rome. Was it Rome Stradamus? Romo's probably. He's yeah. like, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, you you can really go easy here because uh, I think I think looking at Patty Reed's feet, I think he's about to hook this left. <laughs> oh man! Perfect yeah. finish. So who who wins in that? Does Spieth beat Reed with Romo on the bag? Uh, I, I think the dream would be that Reed would win it. My perfect finish is Jordan Spieth winning for the like beautiful, like where it all started is where it can click. Cause we've talked mm. so much on this podcast about Jordan Spieth and you know, 
just watching him grind and knowing the talent and sort of seeing the process makes you, if you want to imagine that Jordan Spieth is going to get it together, you can see that it might not take much for everything to fall into place. And why not uh, back at this back at this tournament where he finished uh, T16 or T17 as a 16 year old? Why not there? Uh, even though it's not the same course, but why not at this tournament? as a spot for for Jordan Spieth to get back on the winning train. Yeah, I like it. And it would uh, set the table for his uh, Grand Slam bid next week at Bethpage. He just needs the PGA. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my gosh. I know. I I forget about it. Because it's like, okay, Rory and Augusta, Rory and Augusta, Rory, you know, you keep talking about filling the U.S. Open, filling the U.S. Open. And it's like, hey, Jordan, Jordan Spieth just needs a PGA. That's it. That's it. That's all. I loved because it was the um, it, it was at the fifteen. It was the fifteen season where he went uh, Masters U.S. Open, right? Yeah, he went Masters U.S. Open, took it to the seventy first hole at St. Andrews. Andrews, and then went toe to toe with Jason Day. And at some point, like he even said, well, didn't a microphone pick him up? Like, cause Jason day was just black out off the tee and just launching yeah. it. And yeah. I, I think that speed either said in the post round or uh, during the course, he's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to beat that. Ah, uh, probably. I mean, he finished top two in all four majors that year. Right. It's and a joke. Then he won the tour championship. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. PJ he, tour I mean, player of the year, FedEx cup champion tour championship. It's like a four or five win season for him with a couple of them being majors. Top. All the money. <laughs> Just all of the money. Yeah, I, yeah. I I'd love it. I'm 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 here for uh I'm here for I'm ready for Speed to come back. Come on home. Uh yeah. I am too. I mean yeah, he's obviously clear and clearly not playing that well but uh, man i just and i said this after the master like i respect the grind so much like there might be too much grind honestly mentally but uh he's he's so rich and so successful like i just i respect the hell out of somebody who is like i don't care about any of that stuff i just want to be better than i was yesterday and i feel like that's where he's at right now and it's hard to do like not everybody's built like that and uh, i think that in the end it will make it will be the primary reason that he has one of the all-time great careers all right end of the week or at least here on the podcast we've obviously got the action coming up so kyle what are you uh, either watching listening or reading right now uh, so I just finished a book, fi- a fiction book, kind of a, a murder mystery deal uh, that makes it sound a lot cheesier than it was. It was really good. It was called Defending Jacob, and it was written by a former uh, lawyer, and so some of the courtroom stuff is really good. Read it in like two days, didn't talk to my family for two days because I was just embroiled in this in this book over the weekend in the cross examinations of the story yeah, I, was, I was i was like pacing my my living room reading it but no it was, it was a really good book and then i just started a book uh by tim keller called reason for god which is i think pretty well known by people uh but i've never i've never read it and i am interested to uh, to jump into it i am unaware what's the premise 
he just makes a, a more like intellectual argument for the existence of God. Gotcha. And, uh, but from a so like I, I think that most of the intellectual arguments you get are from atheists or, or agnostics and so he's sort of making the intellectual argument on the other side um which is fascinating i think did you watch the inventor the theranos uh documentary on hbo no was it good it was very very good but it was fascinating because i told you i was i'm reading david and goliath the yeah. gladwell book and he's got a portion of it focused on an attorney named David Boys, who is dyslexic, but overcame it to become a, a very successful litigator. And you know, he's a good speaker. He's a good listener. He famously uh, was on the opposite side of the state of California, challenging a marriage law, saying it was unconstitutional. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm watching The Inventor, and David Boys is basically the bad guy because in the in the inventor because he is the attorney that is representing Theranos being very aggressive against all of these uh, employees or former employees that are trying to be whistleblowers or get the word out that things are not exactly as Elizabeth Holmes is saying. And so there's this uh, really interesting audio tape from a Wall Street Journal reporter talking with Elizabeth Holmes and her whole team of lawyers including David Boyce and you can tell he just has bought in so much on the vision that they're just sort of arguing back and forth over intellectual property law. And so I'm sitting here and Gladwell's putting him up as like, this is a good guy. Think about all he's been able to overcome and what that represents about underdogs. And then I'm watching on the documentary and it's like, boy, this guy was blinded by, uh, <laughs> this guy was blinded by a Silicon Valley like sales pitch. And, uh, and I got to take that all in at once, but yes, the inventor, uh, on HBO, it's very, very good. Yeah. I need to check that out. I, I want to read the book. It's got one of the great titles I've seen in, in recent years. Bad blood is the name of the book. Ooh. Oh, the author. Yeah. The author of that book is, uh, one of the primary, uh, you know, com interviews that they keep coming yeah. back to. But, yeah. I needed to, uh, my wife's very interested in that as well. So maybe, maybe we'll check that, that documentary out. That sounds good. Uh, all right, any any last minute bold predictions before we get out of here? No, uh, I'm about to uh, to jump on a uh, a little media call with with Mr. Nance, Mr. Faldo, Miss Balionis. So get their thoughts on the PGA. And uh, hey, if it, I'll tell you this, if Spieth and, and Reed are in it on Sunday, like it, they might like they might be soaring up the leaderboard. I might just jump in my car and just just drive down to Trinity forest as fast as I can. Uh, especially if, if Greller has exited the premises and, and we get the, uh, the Romo scenario. I think it's your professional responsibility to do that. <laughs> he is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. <laughs>